Hello, welcome to Greenlit, with me, the voice which belongs to Toby Earle. Each fortnight on Greenlit, a guest receives the thrilling news their life is to be made into a biopic, and we discuss how that story will be told. Will they star? Which moments won't make it into the adaptation? And will Dracula make an appearance? In this episode, actor and writer Rosie Day will plot the course of this certain blockbuster. Day has starred in Outlander, Watership Down, her one-woman play Instructions for a Teenage Armageddon is being turned into a how-to guide and film, and she's a famed masked vigilante. Rosie Day, welcome to Greenlit. Thank you for having me. Sorry to blow the cover about you being a, a masked vigilante, but... It's um... a shame. It's a shame because I was enjoying doing that, so... No one suspects me as a young female. Nobody, you know, that's why I get away with it. And now it's ruined. Really sorry about that. You know, here's the thing: as a, as a young as a young woman, not being given the credit you deserved, I thought I would actually give go. you credit, and it's backfired. Yes, thank you for ruining that. That one thing that was keeping me going was my uh, my vigilante antics. <laughs> I've become part of the patriarchy, and uh, I didn't intend to. You've made a film. I have made a film of the play that I wrote called Instructions for a Teenage Armageddon. So we were shooting that over the summer and other sort of like acting bits and pieces and writing the book. And it's been, yeah, it's, you know, despite the world imploding, it's it's been a busy year. <laughs> well, hang on, you, 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 you talk about the world imploding. You're yeah. giving out actual instructions for uh, an, Armageddon an Armageddon of a, a teenage variety. Yes. Um, can you describe what a teenage Armageddon is and how that would look and would it how different would it be to, to what we've experienced well a teenage armageddon essentially is like teenagers taking over the world because i think teenage girls especially are pretty magical and kind of can change the world and have shown us that they can get a lot of stuff done when they give them the chance so essentially it's teenagers running riot and kind of taking control because old people are quite rubbish at running this world um so it's not quite like the zombie apocalypse though i feel like they'd be great at you know handling that it's, it, it's girls ruling the world, essentially. I know it sounds dramatic. I did realise when, when I called it Instructions for a Teenage Armageddon that it sounded quite, quite <laughs> dramatic. But I hear a good title is the key for everything, really. So, you know, I was like, I'm going to crack on with that one. It does grab your attention. Do you, do you think, how do you think teenagers would fare with access to thermonuclear weaponry? Do you think they would be, do you think they'd be quite sensible? I feel like it could all literally explode you know if there was if there was like you know snapchat fight or something so yeah i mean teenage young people in general are quite reactive aren't they so maybe maybe not the best but hey i i would like to watch that happen <laughs> i like to that's a reality show i'd watch maybe i'll sell it as that the next thing in touch with teenage armageddon right yeah. so it's kind of like war games the film but kind yeah, of a reality exactly. show yeah, yeah. It might Setting. turn into like the Hunger Games, mightn't it? But I feel like it would be a good watch. <laughs> and that, of course, is what's most important these days. What can't you miss on television? Well, I can't miss these teenagers arguing over whether or not to use a thermonuclear warhead on, an, on a neighbouring school because of a diss track that's been released. Literally. I have a theory anyway that in about 20 years' time, because we'll have made so much content and we're always wanting the next, next exciting thing, that the Hunger Games will happen that we will start airing stuff, a competition where people can kill each other, have to kill each other. Do you think it's only 20 years is... I'm not sure how long we've got left on this world, to be honest. So, like, crack on. Yeah, absolutely. The way we're all heading at the moment, I think, yeah. So Rosie Day just pitching here, The Running Man, The Hunger Games, live murder on screen is basically your new Saturday night entertainment. Forget I'm going to send an email to ITV this afternoon and pitch it <laughs> Hi guys. So, <laughs> and, and before we crack into your biopic, who's going to host that? By the way, I just wondered if you, who's going to host the the, the, the murdertainment on ITV on a Saturday night. Wouldn't it be great if it was like Holly Willoughby because she's like so nice, just like <laughs> so sweet and so kind, and then there's just like this bloodbath behind her. I, I was exactly going to say that she wears those gorgeous dresses, and yeah. then there were just like these blood trails, finger marks yeah. down, like where people have like clawed their way up to the podium for help, and she's yeah. just kind of like. Right, We're saying this out. though, cut to a year's time when this happens on TV and me and you're going to be like, they nicked our idea. <laughs> they nicked our idea. <laughs> and I can't believe Willoughby turned it down. She's, she's furious. Yeah. Um, so welcome to Greenlit, Rosie. Um, Thank you. Congratulations. The biopic has been greenlit. But first question, 
Is it pronounced biopic or biopic? Biopic. I think it's biopic. No, I think no, I think it's, it's biopic. Yeah, biopic. Three syllables. Yes. Quite resolutely. It is a biopic, isn't it? Because it's a pic about your bio, but I think it's biopic. Right. We have to get this sorted. It's just we need to know what we're playing with. Where's the meeting going to take place, Rosie? You've you've been told your life story is going to be greenlit. Yes. So where's the meeting going to take place? Are you going to be in some snazzy, fancy Dan stroke Danielle restaurant? Are you going to be at the studio itself? A previous guest said they had to have it in a park. Where, but where, where would you have the meeting about the, the, your biopic being greenlit? I would have it in a coffee shop because that's, that's like my favourite place in the world, like a cute coffee shop that's like kind of slightly dimly lit and slightly magical. Um, right with nice hanging down like fairy lights and stuff and then just over like a little cup of tea with like a producer and then be like yeah it's green lit and I'd be like sold and I'll just be sat there writing on my laptop just very <sighs> very happily. So it sounds very much like you have a, have, a, have a certain preference of style of coffee shop. Yes. Is this born out of spending a lot of time in them or yeah. you would actually really like to run one and this is what you would like yours to look like? Well, well, both, because I, oh, I love baking. I always thought I'd run a cracking tea room. But I spend, <laughs> when I write, because I spend a lot of time writing now, I can't write in quiet. Like, I just physically can't. I have to be somewhere where it's noisy. And so I always go, have to go to a coffee shop. And my favourite one closed down, which was very sad. So I'm now on the hunt for, for a new one. Um, but do you know the vibe of, like, the Picture House Central in town? Yeah. You know, downstairs. That, but on like a smaller scale, it's like, that's, that's a place of like comfort for me downstairs there. I used to do a lot of writing there when I was younger. Could you describe what it's like for listeners who might not have been there or don't live in London and might not be able to get there and might, may well make them buy a train ticket to, to come go. just to visit? Yeah, yeah. It almost slightly feels like the American Diary because they've got like these red booths and like these sort of like really lovely like art decor. But then... It's just full of, it's full of people in this industry. Probably you can't afford Soho House membership, to be honest, who are like <laughs> talking, you know, who are, who are kind of pitching ideas around and then you know, they have really great cakes and food and it's the lighting is very, is very sort of like cinematic because it's quite, it's just the right level of dim, for, which is good. Because you want to be like, when you're writing, you just want to be sucked into like a, I mean, you don't want any kind of like outward distractions from things. You want you basically what you want is for your okay. eyesight to suffer massively yeah. because you're just staring at a bright screen. There's no other source of light. Does that what you give? Yeah, the, and I don't yeah. want to bump into anybody and have to talk to them. <laughs> so that's why I love masks. <laughs> no, you mentioned the, the the cafe where you'd have the meeting with the studio executives, being sort of dimly lit. Like you say, that's good for writing. Is that also good for maybe taking control of that situation? If it's not, if it's not a place they're used to, for example, to having meetings. If you feel comfortable in that kind exactly. of exactly, come to my zone, come to my world. Don't put me in in like a boardroom with executives because that will just make me feel like a child. Like whereas if you cross over to like my world where I'm comfortable, then you feel like you have sort of some onus, don't you? Do you feel like that when you've had meetings in rooms of that nature? Like you, you say that you feel like a child. Is it, it? Have you felt like that in the past? Yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah, all the time going into different buildings and it feeling very like, especially when they're like quite officey as well, because I'm so out of place in an office. <laughs> so like it, it feels very sort of surreal. I often find considering how creative this industry is, so many of these meetings take place in such sterile environments. Have you ever played an office worker? And if so, was it really hard to get into the mindset? Only once. I did Good Omens and I got eaten alive by maggots. <laughs> but it was, we were, we were filming in this like office, this proper office block. And I had like the headset and it was, yeah, I was like, oh, no. What no. was worse, working in office or being eaten alive by maggots? Which working was worse? in office, 100%. <laughs> you mentioned there that you, you're a good baker. Yeah. What are your go-to bakes? Just cake, any form of cake. Like, any I, form? I, yeah, chocolate cake, lemon cake, raspberry cake. Any, literally, like, I just love baking cakes and decorating them. It's like my sort of, like, thing, relaxing thing that I do. But also yeah. I'm sporadic, so it's not good because I eat them all. <laughs> so have you, have you ever thought of bake-offing or of selling your wares? No, definitely. I don't think I'm that good. I mean, God, I would love to do bake-off. Like, I would just, that would be so much fun. But the pressure, I think, would be insane. But yeah, no, no, not definitely not selling. It's quite an interesting thing of this generation, I find, that people always try and turn their hobbies into 
like things to make money like you can't just have something that you sort of enjoy that's something I've noticed yeah. especially over the pandemic and which is totally good if you're really good at them but if you're slightly like you know if you just think you're good like me I don't think it would work out very well I think it would be great if someone did open a cafe and their cakes weren't that great but they just had a lot of self-belief and people were just carried along with hey, their kind of enthusiasm it's true it's so true but lots of people survive on self-belief and I think <laughs> you know it is a viable way to live your life it's not something that I have but I you know it's very good can you be quiet sorry that's one of the, one of the many cats in my house which one this one's phantom she's the baby and she's ridiculously like this oh, is wow. phantom Okay, if you I'm holding can't... up my smallest cat, listeners. I, I'm I just want to take a photo there because her face is beautiful. Like half is sand and half well, is. Well, she's that's what she's called, Phantom from Phantom of the Opera, because she's <laughs> like she's got a little mask on. You're gonna be famous, Phantom. <laughs> as long as he doesn't, as long as the cat doesn't start breaking into song and disrupting the, the, the our conversation, that or, or kidnap you. That would be, yeah. I mean, that would be really bad. And take bad. me to a watery dungeon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Rosie Day, exciting news. Your life has been greenlit for a biopic. But how would your life be told by Hollywood or Bollywood or Nollywood? And what sort of creative control would you exercise in bringing the greatest story you know to the big screen? So the first question, Rosie Day, it's a big one. What's the film called? What's the Rosie Day biopic called? I've thought a lot about this because there's lots of varying different titles that it could pass, it could go down. But but I it would be something along the lines of like a happy accident because most things that happen in my life happen totally by accident. Um, so accident. a happy accident or I used to joke that I would call it like my life is a joke. Like that's what I used to <laughs> I used to say that all the time. My life's a joke. So something along the lines of but a happy accident. Happy accident, I think I'll go for. Okay, why why have you rejected my life is a joke? I mean, I, that, I would probably rather see my life is a joke. That would bring me to the cinema. So maybe we should go with that one. But happy accident is also, I mean, it's a great, it's a very descriptive sort of positive, And it was also uh, oxymoronic yeah. uh, phrase, which again is intriguing. Why would you have thought to have called it my life is a joke? What has happened that's been like so funny and strange and weird to have persisted this whole time and to you know give it reason to call it oh i mean this is that would potentially be therapy if i went down i think that that <laughs> opened that that pandora's box um I think <laughs> is pandora's them, box the name of the cafe yeah exactly i think both of them fall under the thing that i've had very little control in my life because i was i was not put into acting i i was cast when i was five in a job um, I didn't want to be an actor. I literally was just cast because they needed a little sister for my sister who was in a BBC series. Um, <laughs> so I was five and I was put into this world that I then did throughout my whole childhood without ever really saying that this was what I wanted to do. I just thought I got to miss school. So like YOLO, that's great. <laughs> um, and like the cause and effect, how everything has sort of happened, I guess. Um, and also like the things that have gone wrong and the things that, you know, in the periods of time where things keep going wrong or especially well, there's a lot of stuff like this year and you just end up going, my life is, my life, this, someone's just having a fun joke up there, like in the sky. I think that was probably why. You've been in this, this, this industry for such a long time now. I didn't it's realize. It's a joke. I didn't realize it was because your sister was cast. And so there, and then they just... Sort yeah. of thought, oh, well, she knows her. We'll have yeah, her. They I mean, this is the earliest form her. of nepotism. Rosie, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we've got to, we've got to be honest here. This is nepotism. You're Which I hate years... with a passion. So, yeah, she was one of those all singing, all dancing children. And they needed a little sister for her and they couldn't find anybody that like matched up. And so then I ended up somehow doing it. Do you remember that? Do you remember being on set? Do you remember any of that? I remember my second job when I was five, which was a play I did at the National but the filming I mean, job. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. We were at the, like, me and my sister. But I can't remember anything of that filming job, the first one that we did together. What did, what did you, can you remember being four or five and what, what was you wanted to be when you were older? Or... I wanted to be a trampolinist for a long time. Because I took, I, that's my first paycheck from that job when I, because I used to keep, I used to throw myself off the stairs all the time because I wanted to fly like Peter Pan. 
and you know not great not not very logical so my first paycheck that I got my parents bought me with that money uh trampoline so I thought you were going to say they, they bought you a safety gate at the top of the stairs to stop you throwing yourself off they did we did have those as well um so yeah, I wanted to, I used to take trampolining lessons. So I took that very, very seriously when I was little. Did you keep that up? Did you, did you, I mean, that's not, it's not a trampoline pun there about keep, you know, keep it up. <laughs> did you, did you, did you? I kept it you... up until I was about, I think probably 10. And then I, because I was acting quite a lot at that point, like I couldn't do, you know, you sort of come to a point where you have to pick what you want to do. And the idea of missing school was greater than trampolining, I guess. <laughs> so, did you want, did you compete as a trampolinist? Did you uh, represent any club? Yeah, in the South I did, yeah. I can't remember what they were, but we did all that, you know, we did all that, had all the leotard odds, did, you know. I was, t- I mean, when I was a fly, I was absolutely tiny. I mean, I say that, like, I'm five foot two, I still am, but, like, but I literally was, like, a little, like, you know, like, could just be thrown in the air and kind of, you know, was very, yeah, good for being launched into the air, I guess. Do you remember the, your moves? Was it was it Pike? Was it Tuck? Yeah, oh, Pike, yeah, all of them, some of all of that, all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah, so I could have been at the Olympics, guys, essentially. Do you miss it? Do you, have you tried, have you gone back to it? Have you tried it again recently? No, I haven't. I would love to still do all that, but no, I've not, not for a very, very long time. They're quite scary. The real trampolines, I've been on, I've, the I mean, like, they are... The netted one, the white ones. With like the yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going back a long time, but like the one with the kind of proper kind of like lattice yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They propel you, right? They, you've, got to, you've got to be quite fearless. Not that I'm, I'm not saying I was fearless, by the way, but like, you know, you, yeah. you get a little bit of motion and all of a sudden it's very easy to lose control. Yeah, which is great when you're a kid and you want to fly. It's all I wanted to do was be able to fly. <laughs> Apparently. But is that in, in, a, in a really tenuous way, Rosie, isn't trampolining very much like acting in that one time you're, you're going up, another time you're coming down, and it's all so about true. just keeping that's control? Such a great, that's such a great observation. Yeah, that's exactly acting, isn't it? It's very good. I'm going to use that. <laughs> so you, you, you entered this industry at such a young age. Does your sister still act? She gave it up when she went to senior school. So. See, now I feel like you've been duped here. Yeah, yeah. Fully agree with you there, Toby. Um, no, I, yeah, I mean, she gave it up and then I just started getting cast by myself and it just continued, it literally did just continue. Can you sort of talk through what a childhood, like yours is like when you're an actor from such a young age? Can you talk, I mean, can you, what is that? Because you say you, you get, you leave school for extended yeah. periods to work. Is that childhood fractured? Is it, is it, is it hard to, harder to make friends, yeah. maintain friendships? Yeah, I never, funny enough, I, there's a couple of a couple of us child actors that are still around from when I was younger. Not very <laughs> many, not very many. But I, I don't know anybody that was a child actor that didn't have a hard time at school. I don't, I, I you know, we, we, I'm not from London. I didn't live in London. So I was the only person where I was from that was doing that. So I didn't have anybody at school that, you know, and being the kid that's been on telly, I, especially when I was younger, I used to do a show, called Bernard's Watch about a boy that could stop time that was quite a big kids show um and I used to yeah and kids were not particularly nice to me at all I mean was it what was it was it was it comments was it ink flicked in the face no 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 it was mostly comments and like nobody wanted to play with me and like stuff like that so yeah that's it and it doesn't you know it's you you're in and out of school which I loved because I was like not so keen on school so that's kind of difficult. And going all, you know, you go away, like you'd go away for weeks at a time away from your your mum. And that was because you know, both my parents worked, so they could never come with me. So it was that's a weird thing, I think, for for children, I think, to have to do. So how did you find how did you find learning? And obviously, you know, as an actor, you have to learn lines and you have to yeah. learn marks and yeah. you learn so much in that trade, but yeah. like academically. How hard was it to you know, revise, prepare for exams and things like that? And why you're grinning? Like, is that? <laughs> I know I'm just grinning because luckily it sounds really smug. Luckily, I didn't need to do much work to get good grades, which, which is my mum says is my saving grace. Because um, like I took my GCSEs while I was doing a play at the Royal Court, and um, oh, come on. yeah, and I and I literally did no revision, but I managed to do quite well. And my mum was like, "Your life is a fluke." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I. That was lucky, but like we, you know, as a kid, you have to have tutoring, which is really great. You have one to, you know, you have a one-to-one tutor, so you're you're in school still, um, but yeah. you're not in the classroom, I guess, environment. But they're like big gaps. Like I never learnt my times tables. Like I still can't do times tables because I wasn't there when they did them at school, so I never, I never caught up. 
Um, eight tens. I could do that's eighty. I could do the I could do the twos and the tens and the fives, but seven eleven, seven times eleven. Oh um, yeah, seventy-seven because they're all the same number, aren't they? There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. it's, I'm not. I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to go all Rachel Riley on you. You give me sure. like yeah, nine, twelve, and nine, twelve, anything like that. Seven, six, three. No. So when you, I, I'm intrigued to, to know, like when you, you you took your exams while which what was the play at the Royal Court you were doing? It was called Spur of the Moment. It was when I was sixteen, and um, there was there was four naughty teenagers at the Royal Court. One of them, which was me, and we caused probably quite a lot of havoc. Whilst we were whilst we were there, none of us have been invited back. So that's that's what we were <laughs> about. Were you also working when you got your results? I was. I'd been really naughty and had been out the night before uh, drinking with the cast of the play. Um, and I'd come home late. My parents were quite cross. And then I was woken up by my mum throwing my results on my bed. And I knew that it was going to go either way because if I'd got really good results then my mum all would be forgiven. But if I hadn't done so well, I knew that I was in like deep trouble. But luckily, luckily I'd done very well. So all was forgiven. I, I wonder what was that? Um, I was going to say split second, but it's probably more like a few seconds between your mum putting the results on your bed and you becoming like compass mentis enough, sort of taking what's in there yeah. and thinking, like you say, oh, it's going to go one or two ways yeah. here. Can you remember that moment? Would, yeah. did, did you did your stomach lurch? Were you really, thinking this is yeah, going to be the worst hangover in. of all time? She came in not looking very happy, obviously, because I'd been out the night before. So yeah, I knew that. I knew it was all to do with the, what was in that envelope. Yeah. And um, as you as you, I mean, you you there really set out how your life has been a happy accident, falling into acting and then working through acting and then passing your exams without having to do any work. And people. People always really love hearing that, don't they? When people say, I passed my exams, didn't really do any revision. I mean, you that's sound wrote, I... like an idiot. Yes, you sound, everyone hates you. <laughs> so I think Happy Accident works. Great. As, it so... works as the title of the film. But what's the opening scene, Rosie, to Happy Accident? I'd probably do one where like we were, you know, we're quite far down the line and then we cut back to like, you know, 20 years earlier. This is how we, how we got there, probably. Right. Yeah. I have a really lovely memory that's like my Billy Elliot memory. Oh. When I was probably about 20, I think I was like 21. And I had been having a really difficult time just in life, not to do with work, just in life. And then I was meeting with my friends in Soho and we were having like a drink. And I had to go home and like do some prep for an audition like the next day for something, a job that I wasn't really fussed with, but it was like, oh, I need to leave and go do the work and I was waiting to hear on this vet on a very big job and I crossed uh Shaftesbury Avenue got to Leicester Square in the middle of Leicester Square and my agent phoned and told me that I'd got this job and I screamed and I ran I ran back through Soho to Balance and I like ran and I just came into the restaurant and my two friends were still there because I were drinking and I was just like I got the job. And it's like, it's me, like running through town, just being like, oh my God, I can't believe, thank you world. Like, I can't believe that's just happened. So it'd be like me running and then it'd be yeah. like, we're going to go back. Oh, so does it open with you running? Like running so, yeah. through Soho? Yeah. That's a proper filmic moment in, in yeah. you know, in it's, that's like the, the airport dash. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. You have. You're in straight away. I yeah. mean, that is darting through the streets. That the was dodging the cars and the people. Rickshaws, yeah, all, all that. So what can you say, what was the job that you got that that, that caused you to to It to, was to a run? film that I did called Down the Dark Hall, which was um, Stephanie Meyer, who wrote Twilight, did it. And Uma Thurman was yes. in it. And four American teenagers, or young women and me, went into Barcelona for three and a half months and shot this film and we just had the best time like the the just the most amazing time together yeah so it was really really wonderful so firstly did you sack off the audition the next morning or not yes really? uh, i couldn't do it i was like i'm booked sorry yeah and then also what what was it about that particular job that was so important to you to land we didn't know about uma thurman at that point so we didn't know she was doing it but it was a teen movie set in a boarding school about like these four naughty teenage girls, these troubled teenage girls. And I love that. I've always loved boarding school stories like Mallory Towers, Centrinians, like anything like that. So it was that that I got to go and do a teen, you know, from the guys that created Twilight, I got to go and do this teen film. And, and then the girls, you know, the four American actresses that did it with me, we just became like my best friends and 
we just had, yeah, we just ran right around Barcelona. Can you name those four four friends? Yeah, Anna Sophia, Rob, Isabel Furman, who I don't know if you've seen the film Orphan, the horror yes. film. Or, yeah, so it's that's her when she was little. She's Yikes. amazing, but she's terrifying in that film. Uh, Taylor Russell and um, Victoria Morales. So we all just camped, yeah, we all just sort of like lived together and just had a ball, really. What was it? And what then will happen? So you, 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 like you're thrilled. You've got this job. And you're working with the team from from Twilight, and then you find out Uma Thurman's on board. Yeah. Um, what was that day like? That was when I'd just arrived in Spain, and the director, who was a great Spanish director, told us, and I was like, "Cool! Like, you, what do you say to that? You're like, it's Uma Thurman, isn't it? Like, iconic." And and I just probably like two years previous, I'd worked with Sarah Jessica Parker, who obviously is another very you know kind of iconic woman. So it was sort of like sort of felt like I'd won, won the lottery a bit when it came to sort of like Hollywood icons, really. Okay, what's what, what's Uma Thurman like on set? I would say she's quite method, probably. She stay, she, I mean, she, she's playing our head teacher, so she probably, she kept that up, I would say. Um, really interesting to watch on set and how she does her job. And then what's she like off set? She was very nice. Like, she was a very nice, like, lady. But I would say that she... She was very much in character the whole time that we were with her. Wow. Um, whereas I'd been with Sarah Parker and sort of like lived with her and like spent all of my time with her and just had like, you know, it was a it was a very different experience, which was interesting. And what are you are you still in touch with SJP? Yes, but not Uber, <laughs> not Uber. And so, uh, so Sex in the City. Then I guess you'll be in Sex in the City next. They're, I mean, they're bringing no, you. No, I don't think so. No, I don't no. think so. I'm not even. I've never seen it. I've never seen Sex in the City. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. What? You work with SJP, and you've mm-hmm. not yet. No, never. I know. I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so I like the. I love the opening scene running through yeah. Soho as a as someone who has just you know just made a film who's worked in this industry for such a long time. Is that is that kind of is that sort of a scene which you feel is like drags the audience immediately in? You you've set them on edge immediately. Yeah, you need I would say running hype music to the running, and then a, maybe a voiceover over the top. <gasps> okay, what's the music? What what what's what's the pounding soundtrack as you as you pound those streets? It's something. Yeah, it's got. I mean, it's got to be something feminist, isn't it? And like kick ass. I mean, I can't. Taylor Swift is like my world. I'm the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but. I don't think that's necessarily the quite right vibe here, but it would have to be something, something like, you know, pink. I, I love pink. I think she's incredible. Like something rocky and like yep. fiery and going for it. And like, yeah. And then maybe I get hit by a car. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, we've got to go back. I've just secured the big, like this is the biggest moment in my life. And then you're automatically run down by a car. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Maybe a bus. So you've got Pink providing the soundtrack, perhaps some, some, someone in that kind of ilk. There's narration. Yeah. But Rosie, are you providing the narration? And also, who's cast in the lead? Are yeah, you the I'm lead? not in it. Like, God, no. I'm never, I definitely won't be in my own biopic. Bad enough that I had to be in the fucking Teenage Armageddon film. <laughs> I'm, despite everything, like, I'm very, um, it doesn't sound like it, but I hate things being about me. So I like the idea that I was in this film and directing it and having written it, I was mortified the entire time we were filming. Like I couldn't own it. I'm not one of those cool people that's just like, yeah, I'm doing all these great things and I've got this. I'm like, no, this looks like the Rosie Day show. I'm so embarrassed, actually, was my kind of running thing. You know, there's that meme where it's like a label in a Marc Jacobs top that says designed by Marc Jacobs, made by Marc Jacobs. And it just lists like Marc yeah. Jacobs. Is that how no, you... I hate, yeah, it makes me feel ill, to be quite honest. And I never set out when I went set out to write and direct, because I've done, you know, I've done some shorts and things. Um, I never, ever wanted to be in anything that I wrote or directed because I wanted to keep those things totally separate. I never Why wrote for me to be in anything because I didn't want it to like the Rosie Day show. And I know how difficult it is, I think, to do everything. Um, and I just didn't, I, I enjoy directing so much and being behind the camera that you want to have that full experience without having to be on camera as well. It's understandable. I understand when actors say that they are writing their own thing yeah. or they're going to direct, you know, because they, they want to have a control over their... Yeah themselves that exactly. they haven't previously had in their career yeah. and, and and then with with you Rosie I feel like I you know you've been in this industry for such a long time that's even more understandable that you would want to exert a certain control so mm. 
why why do you kind of feel a certain reticence to kind of have all those sort of well those roles and and, and you know simultaneously I was because I'm incredibly British and I'm incredibly embarrassed <laughs> I think and like I've only just got to the stage where I will only just tell people I'm an actor <laughs> like, when you describe me as an acting writer I'm like no I'm not like I'm literally like I usually tell people I'm a psychology student because what? it's just what? easier than having to explain you're an actor and they go what have you been in and you're like I just please don't make me do that um so I generally <laughs> yes I'm quite shy actually about it all because I find it all quite I don't want to look like I'm yeah I don't know like I'm a self-indulgent idiot how long have you been telling people you're a psychology student? Because there are going to be some people saying that course is going on for a long time, isn't it? Well, since I was, since I could tell people, so since I was about eighteen. Really, I've been, I've been at UCL, University College London, for about six years at this point doing psychology. <laughs> you want to do that? Is that what? Actually, you were... yeah, that was my other. That was one of my career options. So that's maybe my other life that I was living. Oh my! But the thing is, you juggle so much. Uh, and you know, apparently, don't need to revise for exams. You could easily just study crack to, on Might while writing the level. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, try it. You never know. You just don't. You know, and um, by the way, how many years of saying you're a psychology student? Six plus years of saying you're a psychology student at UCL. You must know a lot by now. Must know a lot about the brain, guys. Must know an awful lot. But it's so you have only just started can you what when when did you make that decision to start telling people you were an actor and stop and and tell the truth as opposed to kind of like providing this cover story probably only like maybe the past two year or two ago but even now like if I mean I don't know I won't tell them I'm an actor people that I'm not going to know as in like moving forward in my life sort of thing yeah and also I don't go out much you know I don't meet new people that often other than when I'm actually at work having to be an actor so I don't have to use the excuse that that often but um it sounds weird because I don't feel like I've earned it. And I know that sounds weird, but yeah. What would make you feel like you had earned it? I actually don't know. Probably, I know, probably nothing. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Yeah, like I've got a book coming out, but like the idea of being like, I'm a writer. No, I'm just some kid that all this has happened to. And I'm just kind of going, okay, sure. What do you, what, so, so what do you think other writers or directors or actors have had or experienced that allows them to feel that they can say that's what they are, which you yet haven't had? I guess with writing and like directing, I guess like, I guess once you have probably a TV credit or something, then I think that would probably make you feel quite like you probably could say that because you've directed something on telly. But then I've acted in tons of stuff on telly and I don't want to tell people I'm an actor. So maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe it just never happened for me. Before I move on to who you would cast in the lead, you say you don't want to kind of be the Rosie Day show, yeah. you know, written by, directed by, yeah. starring. No. Um, no. You know, there are pseudonyms. You know, you could, you could. Yeah, I've been told that. I did that. I do that for, I've done that for a couple of scripts for a couple of things, but I don't want people to know that I've written it. What, what, yeah. what, what's the pseudonym? I can't say. I'm definitely not saying that. That's my, that's my pseudonym. No, no, no. I did, I, my pseudonyms, well, like it's initial, my first two names are initials. And then a surname. I'll give you that. So okay, yeah. who is going to be cast in the lead then, Rosie? If not you, so presuming that like time is not of like a logical thing, like I don't have to cast somebody younger than me to make it work, sort of thing. Your film, because I think practical. I think practical, like you know, someone in the industry, like you've got to cast somebody younger because they're playing right. you. And um, if we're right. not doing that, I would like not because she's like now Oscar-winning director, writer, amazingness. I want Greta Gerwig. At when she was doing Frances Hart, like I want Ooh. that. Oh, what a choice! Yeah, early Greta Gerwig. What, what, what is it about her that draws you to her and to having you having her play you? I, I genuinely think she's an incredible woman, but I think when I watch her talk about work and about life, she's wired quite similarly to me, and I think she, like her mind, just all her personality, I think is quite how I see the world, I guess as well, and. She's phenomenal. I don't think there's any, but she's got a real skill of doing something that is very hard to do, her style um, of acting. And I and she's somebody that, yeah, I just think that would be the person that I want to play me. And what's what what would you say her style is? Is it is it is it just kind of naturalism? It's that like naturalism, that quirky sort of naturalism that's very authentic and very sort of like funny at times, but sort of just feels very real and I also get this sort of in her characters like the slightly 
she's very self-aware I think and that's me like I'm so self-aware to the point that it stops me doing things in my life like telling people I'm natural. <laughs> um so yeah and with 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 um Greta Gerwig you mentioned kind of that naturalism and quirkiness yeah. now that's hard to do yes yeah, really. uh naturally right and and still be and I hate to use the word accessible but um some people feel quite put off by that don't they yeah. don't, don't you find yeah no absolutely and I think I mean it wasn't until she sort of you know was doing Ladybird and her own stuff that people suddenly went oh my god Greta Gerwig but she you know she'd been around for absolutely years doing great work but um it wasn't until she well simply until she started making her own stuff that people took notice properly took notice yeah. of her she directed Little Women, didn't she, as well? Yes. Yeah, 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 she did, yeah. But prior to that, you know, had had a, you know, a really good, steady acting career. And so, so it's Greta Gerwig running through Soho. Yes. And um, you're narrating, or is it is it Greta Gerwig doing It would be Greta, right? yeah, it would definitely be Greta narrating, Greta. being me. And if, now if that you say logic isn't an aspect of the film, and it doesn't have to be, because, of course, you know, you can, you, you can play with the form, of course yeah. you can. Is she doing an English accent, British accent, or is she, yeah. is she American? British. I'm so British. She has to be British. I'm like the definition of British. <laughs> what, why, what, 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 I mean, in what way do you, do you think that in the terms that you're a, a tea drinking, uh, shy, really repressed? You repressed. don't drink tea. I don't drink tea, but I'm not British. Not British. Yeah. Repressed. Don't talk about it. Just don't get on with your life don't almost be proud of yourself isn't it British it's like just not the done thing to do in a way like self-deprecating self-deprecating yeah 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 so she'd 100% have to be British yeah she'd smash it she'd she actually I feel like she could do it do you think she do you think Greta Gerwig is celebrated enough is given enough kudos for her work no straight out no I think her earlier performances especially have been hugely overlooked for being really kind of masterful in what she does a lot of it, I think, also revolved around improv. So she was sort of doing a lot of the carrying of the films she was in as well. Yeah, and I think there's, a, there's an amazing YouTube clip that I wish everyone would watch where she, I think maybe it was like Jimmy Kimmel. She was on after like um, Lady Bird and Little Women where she had gone to, I think it was the Golden Globes. Um, and she was there early because Noah Bumbuck, who's her par- partner, was, I think, uh, up for Marriage Story. I think what it was, it was. And she was in the room and all the judges were coming up to her going, look, I'm, I voted for you. I'm so sorry you're not nominated, but, you know, I voted for you. And they all did this. And she was like, well, you obviously didn't, did you? Because otherwise I would be nominated for a Golden Globe. <laughs> that, 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 that's sort of a microcosmic anecdote of, of Hollywood, right? Yeah, Where people know you're good, yeah. Yeah. but they, they, they don't actually give you the backing, but they tell you to yeah. your face that they have. Yeah. Have you found, have you ever had that kind of experience where people have been positive to your face and then behind your back? Yeah, I mean, I guess all the time in auditions when you're people you think are going to get a job because everything's really positive and everyone's really great. And then, you know, you just don't get it. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, this industry is incredibly two-faced. Like it just on a half. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, you're right. That clip does really sum up this, the entertainment industry. We, we have, we have a lead. We've got a name. Yes. Um, we've got the opening scene. Yeah. I'm assuming if you've got Greta Gerwig playing you, I'm, I'm thinking it'll go down a certain genre, this film, but... I could be wrong. So what genre would the film be and why? And what sort of budget are we looking at, Rosie? It would definitely be a comedy and it definitely probably would be in the style of Noah Bumbuck, Greta Gomes, Greatest Collaborations, which is quite indie, really well shot, quite in a way realistic to life. But it would be, but it would be funny because I think the only way I've ever managed to get through life is through humour, is through laughing about it. I've got a really dark sense of humor so when things are you know when things like are bad I find the best way to deal with them is to laugh about them is that is that the, the, the gallows humor in the face of adversity yes and in my play in Sasha's Routine Armageddon the lead character's sisters died and there is a lot of um a lot of dark jokes it's quite unrelenting in terms of like this is the tope of it so get yeah. on board so if you're sort of used to points where you think that there's going to be laughter and there's not you're like okay continue like yeah it, it can get a bit throwing especially when it's a one person play it's just the only person you have on stage is yourself so you have to <laughs> you have to continue see that's a fairly that's a fairly significant point everything's on you 100 percent of the time it's terrifying it, it's a it's a level of fear or nervousness i didn't know i could feel in my body 
and yet you wrote it yourself and you ended up playing. So why did you put yourself through this? Because I was so fed up of how teenage girls were written in, in this industry, but especially in theatre, they were never, they're very rarely the leads and it was never really realistic to what teenage girls have gone through. And I just wanted to be like, this is actually an honest depiction of what it is to be a teenage girl. And I wanted to put it on stage and I wanted a teenage girl to be front and centre telling her story. That was why. And what was the reaction from teenage girls? I'm assuming some was, of whom came to mind. Yeah, it was really special. I mean, what was interesting was because we had a huge range of people. We had grandmas, we had uncles, we had men in business suits, we had teenage girls, and people really related to it because everyone's been a teenager. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a show that you thought was just going to be changes. It really affected a lot of people, and that was really lovely. But we had one night where we had a school, a group of about 20 schoolgirls in yeah it was amazing it was really special really really special so you hoping happy accident will have that same energy uh and 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 that that ability to connect with an audience that uh, instructions has i hope so and so greta gerwig's playing playing you in this sort of in in this indie comedy is it low budget then is it it have that scruffy feel to it like five million yeah and you Enough mentioned to feed everyone and so everyone can have a nice, nice time, you know, on set. But like, yeah. Have you ever not been fed enough and had a miserable time on set? We all have. Oh my god, every actor has. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, what's the what's you you mentioned like one of uh, Greta Gerwig or Noah Baumbach's yeah. sort of works? Anyone, anyone in particular? Anything you've seen recently or kind of springs to mind as a point of reference? It would always be like Ladybird is such a reference, even though it's like nothing to do with my life visually. That is one of my favourite films. So I think that probably, and it would be shot on film. It would have to be. It's not oh. it's shot on film. That's really important. Is that where basically most of the budget's going? On yeah, the, on, on the, the film. film. And there would be like eight millimetre like montages throughout it as well of stuff. Because mm. I love a good eight millimetre montage. Not to get too technical or geeky, why do you prefer actual film to digital record, like filming? What what's the difference? What it to you? What's the difference? So alive and film is beautiful. Like cellular film, like it, it's just something that you can obviously make it look like that in post when you film digitally. But that you, I don't think you can beat film. I think it gives this real crispness to what you shot. If it, if I had my way, everything would be shot on film because I love it. What do you think? What do you think digital filming's lost in in the making? When of you're film? filming on film, because you only have a limited amount of film, you have to get it, and so there's that magic. Like I once did a short film with Robbie Sheehan years ago, where the whole short was 15 minutes, and it was one take that you ran it through. It was like a play, and we wow. had to get, and we had nine rolls of film, and sort of <laughs> rehearsed it, rehearsed it, and you'd have to do this short. And they ended up with about, I think, I only remember got six, like six different versions of this film that was all one shot on film and it's you could see when we were acting and you'd have the producers in the background being like speed it up so like you could, like, signaling us to hurry up because we were going to run out of film and I think there's a, that electricity that you you don't necessarily always have now and things kind of can be done lots of times we've got the actor we've got the vibe yeah we we've got we've got the budget everyone's gonna be you know eating a, a, an adequate amount of food so which parts of your life would be in happy accident we've got the opening scene obviously you running through soho you've yeah. just got that great job maybe you've just been hit by a car maybe you haven't like, yeah um, you've never been hit by a car right i was very almost hit by a motorbike as in like terrifyingly almost killed by a motorbike but wasn't killed so that was good good to know recently yeah. or a while ago about three years ago outside my old house in clapham i stepped out and this car, motorbike came around the corner out of nowhere at the speed of like insanity. And luckily I managed to jump out of the way. That was really scary. But that wouldn't be in the film. That's not interesting. That wouldn't be in the film, right? Okay, that no. wouldn't be in the film. Because that would that not would be, be a happy accident, Rosie. I've got to be honest with you. That sounds like, no, a, like I a think very I would have unhappy. died. So yeah, very unhappy. Very unhappy accident. So which parts <laughs> of your life would be, would have to be in happy accident? Isn't that a weird thing to tell your story? Like, because I don't think anything interesting happened in my life because it's my life and I've got no perspective on it because I live it. Um, so... Good point. It's weird, isn't it? Like, there's so many different things that happened in my life. Lots of them are probably to do with work, which is almost a bit sad. Um, but, like, <laughs> I always, you know, I, I love doing what I do. So it's more the, you know, like, bad things. Like, I guess at school, I have a really vivid memory when I was about nine of these girls who I thought were my friends like running away from me in the playground because they didn't want to play with me. 
And I remember that really, like, I, and one of the girls is still is a friend of mine now. Yeah. And I still sometimes think about it of them. I can see it so clearly of them just running away and maybe just being stood there. That would be one. Um, have you ever brought it up with her? Have you, have you, have you confronted yeah. her with this? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I brought it up with her. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, the other girls made me do it. And I'm like, okay, but it really, not traumatised me, but I've never forgotten it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I've never yeah. forgotten that feeling of somebody, them literally running away from me. Do you know that's a strong, yeah. that thing of people just suddenly receding from you, yeah. particularly like you say, you know, you spent a lot of time away from home and school because of your work. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a visual, that's literally a visual, you know, a, yeah. a visual representation of your early life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister left for boarding school when I was about nine, which was really hard. So probably that because I was suddenly like on my own in my house, which was weird. Oh, so that was probably quite a formative memory is that why you like boarding school stories or i would have thought that put you off you think it would wouldn't you but yeah because i didn't go to the same school as her so yeah i never had that experience but maybe that is why i've always yeah she so she left when i was little and then yeah they're probably like the most they're probably like the younger like ones that you're like oh yeah that really probably affected me but then also you have all the stuff like your first, my first job and you know how how that all folded out and how when I was about 13 I did a job where things were I was really having a really sh- rubbish time at school and I didn't know if I could like wanted to act anymore because it was quite difficult and then I did a job which was not a very good ITV drama actually but I worked with um Saran Jones on it I played her daughter and it was working with her and this was when she was like gosh like 28 I think she was and like it was working with her that made me go, oh no, I want to do what you do. And I still say that to this day with her. Um, really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That she is the reason watching her do what she's done since then, since I was 13. And like, that is like the, she's the person that probably made me continue being an actor. What What is it about Saran James that makes her as good an actor as she is and also as good a person to work with as well. She's a wonderful person, but it's it, there's something incredibly real about her. It's in, she's incredibly believable in what she does. And yeah, I mean that that probably is, but she's a very kind person. She's do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think I yeah, I've always said that I wouldn't be where I, like I wouldn't have continued, I don't think, had I not done that job. And even though the job was really crap, like it was not a good, it was not a good. <laughs> Uh, ITV <laughs> drama but it was very that was very hugely important I guess probably in my life it's so fascinating you've, you've worked with some massive names obviously mm. Sarah Jessica Parker and Saran Jones clearly mm. very influential role models yeah. how important is it to young actors to have to have those people to look up to and um hugely it's a huge because I didn't go to drama school either because I was just a kid actor that kept going so I learn everything everything that I do is because I've watched I guess other actors do their jobs and I used to when I was I used to try and copy like the way Saran acted. I remember that really clearly. Yeah, it's having those important female role models for me anyway through life has always been hugely important to me. And not even female. Do you know what? Like Phil Glenister, who I work with a lot, he lives up my road, and you know he's like that man's my hero. Like he's he's just incredible and wonderful. And it's it's finding those people that you connect with, I guess, that sort of inspire you because it's a quite an, you know it's a really relentless industry. It's, mm. it's not very giving, to be honest. So when you find people that are very giving and are very wonderful and brilliant, it, it really, I guess, means a lot. I just, just got to ask, I, I'm, I'm assuming people like SJP and Saran Jones yeah. will feature in the biopic. Shall they? Yeah, 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 for sure. They're too busy. So I don't know who's going to play them. I don't know. I'll, I'll ask. Okay. <laughs> so you get back to Because the thing is, because you, you, it's your film, of course, you can have all these elements in there. You know, and, yeah. and you've got... Toby, you've tram- the problem I've got now is that I want to make this film. This is what <laughs> I now think I'm deserving of a biopic. Like, okay, this is who we're casting, guys. This is what we're doing. Um, what if, what if then you you make this film? And just, again, it might tie into happy accident. We go back to the trampolining. Yeah. You're trampolining. You're really good. Yeah. But you, you flub a landing Great. and you, like, cartwheel off of the uh, trampoline. Uh, uh, trampoline and maybe you, in a, in, a, in a non-terrible or traumatic way, sort of bang your head. And then yeah. it's all like, oh, this is... My, and I, then you become an actor. A fever dream. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, then you've got Sarah Jessica Parker and Saran James. Maybe they're actually the trampoline coaches. And, oh, like, wow, this what is a twist. Great. They're like, 
And it's all, yeah. maybe, I don't, I don't know, this is your film, but I'm just wondering now if there's the opportunity to incorporate these kind of more magical aspects in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she imagines that she's got this acting career. <laughs> Why not? All she is really she is really just is a Olympic gymnast, but she's not really, she just has to live this life of hardship as an Olympic gymnast. Exactly, exactly. And so we, we kind of got the parts, some of the parts of your life you would want in there. Yeah. What are the parts of your life you wouldn't have in there? so many no um, <laughs> yeah but the things that I wouldn't want in there because they're personal to me are actually really good points of like dramatic tension or like bad things happening that you need That's- in there because it's like you know and, and some of my work definitely you know when I write and direct and make stuff there is you know thing, bad things that happened to me that have influenced scenes and pieces and people that are in my films so I do if you upset me you might end up in a film essentially That's sort of how I seem to be going about it don't go to therapy just make art <laughs> but are there are there I mean is, is is saying there are parts of your life you don't want in there is that tough yeah. because you've been working in the industry for so long you don't necessarily want to burn any bridges with, <laughs> with yeah any... I could sit here right now and talk about a couple of people but I yeah I I have to be careful do you know what I mean like I can't I there are definitely some people that I would erase from that narrative but you you're not allowed to outwardly speak about them I don't think but you'd get, I mean, you, you wouldn't get rid of all like the heartbreak and the not getting the jobs and the close calls. Do you know what I mean? Like you, 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 you need that in a film about an actor. You certainly need all the rejection, don't you? And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you ever had a close call, one of those big close calls to a, to a job? Oh, I've had, to, yeah, a lot, yeah, quite a few. Are there any that you could talk about that aren't too uh, uh, stressful to talk about? I had about one because actually the film came out and wasn't, didn't do what everybody sort of thought it was going to do. And it got changed quite a bit. I was like the only person in the running for Rob Zemeckis's reboot of The Witches. Oh my word. So I tested with him and he was amazing. And we did all that. And, and it had been a quite long audition process. And, you know, you thought you were going to get the job. And I didn't get it. And like, that was a, that was crushing because I knew I was the only person at that point. So you're like, you've not got Joanne Lee, there's nobody else, but you're not getting it. And that was, I probably, <laughs> but then, you know, then they changed it and it became like a voiceover role and Kristen Chenoweth did it. So we, it got very, it was fine in the end. But in that moment, that was, I remember I was in a Starbucks when I got the call that said I haven't got it. And I remember that was really, really hard. And they're not even dimly lit. No, so I couldn't hide the fact I was crying. Um, I had one literally for about four weeks ago. I've been auditioning for a certain play that's coming to the West End for since January for the lead in that. So since my first audition was in January. My last audition was in August and the audition process. And then I found out that I hadn't got it. Yeah, about three weeks ago. And that was, again, really, really hard because I wanted that more than anything in the world. But that's the, that's the thing. Do you know what I mean? It happens a lot where you get very close to things and... That is just the nature, the nature of the job. As an as an actor, what sort of resilience do you do you learn to to, to deal with those kind of situations? I know had... I know a lot of the jobs about rejection. I know yeah. a lot of the job is about rejection. But how do you develop the resilience? We have a rule. We've always had this since I was a little girl that you have like twenty four hours to just be really really upset and just move around and be really sad, and then you gotta get on with it. You just pick yourself back up and move forward I mean like you have to especially when you're an adult like you've got to pay the bills you've got to get back up and that's just you know and also I think because I've done it since I was little like I've had rejection since you know I was tiny and so it's not that as bad when you've had it you know for a long time I guess you know I did all the rounds for like the golden compass when I was a little girl and like you know all films like that and it's just something that comes with the job isn't it is the is the rejection I guess but there's a whole load of you know really good things I've been at that I've come close to and not got but I sort of have to believe that, like, I've always believed that what's for you won't go by you. It's a very healthy way of looking at it. The 24 yeah. hours of moping, I think, is... is, is, is it's great. Good. Cry, scream, feel sad. Also, the day that the cast announcement comes out, you can be a bit sad as well when you see who's got the job. Because, like, that can be quite hard. <laughs> are, are there any traditions you have on those hopefully rare days where you haven't landed something you really wanted? Is there anything you do in particular... Um, to kind of get you through the day or allow yourself to indulge cake 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 not baking cake it's just eating cake go find cake not self-baked not self no 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 time no salty tears of disappointment going into the mix go and find some cake and call my best friend who is super sassy and brilliant and makes you feel better yeah would those moments feature on the cutting room floor or would you 
would you have them in? And if they're not in, which moments in your life would be on the cutting room floor? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they'd have to be. If it was a story by an actor, you have to have some of them. Things that would go on the cutting room floor. I mean, it would be the boring stuff, wouldn't it? Because the high drama stuff, the bad people that hurt, you know, hurt me or done bad things or, you know, you need them in there. Like you need them in there for the story. So they'd have to be in the film. So it would be like the mundane learning learning self-tapes probably would be in you know, and auditions and would definitely end up on the cutting room floor. But anything that's good for dramatic tension, you gotta, gotta whack in there. I'm quite an open book, like with my life in general, and I overshare anyway. So I, I probably would have, no, I would have it. I would have all the bad, you know, all the good, all the bad, all the fights, all the, but I would, yeah, I wouldn't erase anything. I don't think you can erase important things that have made you who you are. Like you can't rewrite history, so you have to accept them. It'd be the boring stuff that I wouldn't put in. Feeding the cats. Feeding the cats. Yeah. Every day, morning and night. <laughs> so we were mentioned it already that Greta Gerwig is a big yeah. influence on this. Noah Baumbach is yeah. a big influence on this. But are there any other influences from TV or film or literature or theatre or comics that you would want to bring to bear in Happy Accident? I'd like to have, can I, I'd like to like throw in Kristen Wiig in the mix Ooh. as well as a character. I don't know who should play. Maybe my mum. I don't know. Because she's so, I think Mr. Wig is so funny, but can do such good, like dramatic acting as well. I think she's yep. really excellent at it. So like that, I love SNL. I love stuff like that. Like the so like the cast of Joey, the cast of SNL, yep. whack him in. Ty Burrell would play my dad because I love him. He's just my favorite person. Kristen Wig and Ty Burrell would be my parents. It would all be very sort of like I guess yeah. Like there's a one of their films, Noah and Greta's film is called Mistress America. And if you've not watched it, highly recommend. Not many people know about it, but it's the most accurate depiction of what it is to be a young girl and have an older woman's influence in your life, like a girl you really look up to. And that's something that I've always had throughout my whole life. Be that Saran, be that Sarah be that many other people. And so that would be a, a big influence on my, my story, I think, as well. A lot of American influences here, Rosie. Yeah, just, they I've, are. I've noticed. I mean, I love the British film industry, but I, I guess I just watch more American, American I stuff. Just, Sorry, guys. I mean, I love Andrea. She would be my other one if she, if Noah's not available. Like, and you can whack in Andrea Arnold if you want. I love the British film industry, but it's so hard to get a film made here, and you know, there's a really limited amount of money and resources for the British film industry. And in America, just because of the scale of it, it just exists in a in another another way, I guess. So if the critics love it or hate it, Rosie, how would that affect you and your next project? If if the critics loved Happy Accident or if they hated Happy Accident, the Rosie Day story, uh, how would they feel? How would you feel about that? And, and how would that affect your next project? Well, I'm a woman in the industry, so you only get one shot at doing anything good, unfortunately. <laughs> Men can make accidents that don't work and keep working, whereas women are hold, held to a much higher standard. So we got hope that this film works, guys, or you're not going to get funding for your next film. That's the honest truth of it. So fingers crossed. I think women have to, also that was a great quote, that women have to like be doubly as good to be seen as being half as good as men. Like you have to really work. And I, I mean, that's something like I'm really scared about with my book coming out, like you want that to work, you want people to buy it, you want it to because I'd like to do another one. And if it doesn't, you don't, you won't necessarily be given another opportunity. So yeah, and women, I know lots of, you know, female directors have that same problem. Feminism, that's why we need feminism, guys. <laughs> and with your, because in your experience, was it hard, was it hard to get backing and funding for instructions for a teenage Armageddon? To, 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 making that transfer from stage to film yeah was it a long process do you feel like other people no it was again an accident I didn't really have a plan to make a film and then somebody said do you want to do a film which is why somebody also said do you want to do a book it really was um a company that I work with quite a lot called Studio Pal had seen the play and had kind of gone do you want to turn this into something and I just said yes and that's how it sort of ended up so that was very much accidental the same way with the book my now literary agent had heard about the play and invited me for a meeting and was like do you want to make a book and I was like yeah my English teacher would find that hilarious but absolutely again that's why happy accident like it was not none of that was on the cards ever in fact instructions for teenage again was written in my bedroom for nobody <laughs> to ever see like it was just an exercise that a great theatre director that I've worked with a couple of times dared me to write her a play 
to go write me a one girl play and we'll do it essentially like was like the thing and I went away and was like no one's ever going to see it so I wrote it very honestly I wrote it and then those chain of events happened because of that but it was never none of that was planned I mean I never thought I'd have a book ever I'm delighted I'm over the moon but my god like my English teacher would be I don't think she's dead but if she was she'd be rolling in her grave with how bad my punctuation is like (laughs) yeah why had, had you had you never considered that as a possibility? Had you never no. Uh, no? It's that whole. I mean, I love. I'm a bookworm. I love reading, but the publishing industry is a whole other industry that it's so separate from the entertainment world. And I didn't think that, that was ever on the cards, or not anywhere soon. Do you know I mean not like this? Yeah. This sort of quickly. You know, the play we had the yeah. play was only on a year ago, and now there's a book coming out, and it's that's very sort of fast moving I guess and in terms of critical responses yeah. has that ever affected you as a, as a as an actor when you've read notices be they tv stage film yeah. has that has that have you had you read them do you ignore them I read them and I don't believe people that say they don't but I'm lucky <laughs> I'm very lucky that the reviews I have had have been thank god praise Jesus really wonderful and lovely and I, you know I've done a lot of theatre and have some really lovely reviews from it and the same you know you know but then that, you know, you do jobs that aren't received particularly well, and then that can be really disappointing if you've had a great time on it. But at the end of the day, my whole thing with this industry is that it's subjective. I'm not sure I necessarily believe in awards for films or anything, because how can you ever say one thing is better than the other? It's not like maths, you get the most questions right, or you can do the most pirouettes. It's a wholly subjective experience. So how can yeah. you give something an award over something else? It's an opinion at the end of the day, like... If you could give Happy Accident uh, the Rosie Day story an award, what would it be? What award? Yeah, if you could, if you could create an award for Happy Accident, the Rosie Day story. Create an award. Yeah. Most likely to accidentally succeed, probably. <laughs> that would like, yeah. What a plot twist award! <laughs> I always say that. I'm always going plot twist in my life. <laughs> plot twist. Here's a book. Oh well, hang on. Then, then surely there'll be plenty of plot twists in the film itself. No. Yes. Do you like do you like that kind of thing keeping the audience second guessing triple guessing yeah. as to what's happening and going on? Yes, and well, my next plot twist that I'm like, wouldn't that be a great plot twist? Would be that I'm very interested in the stock market. Like, imagine if I just became a really great like stock market person and just made lots of money that way. Wouldn't that be? No one would ever expect that of me. You're going to become a stock market speculator. Yeah, I'm going to make period. all my money. Yeah, 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 on that. Okay, well, I'm I'm really thrilled for you, and I wish you the best of luck. Um, <laughs> But I want to know, where's the premiere of Happy Accident taking place and who's invited? It would, uh, where's happening? Uh, Sundance, Defo. Or the London Film Festival, obviously, because that is excellent. So one of them. Bit less skiing at the London Film Festival. Bit less skiing, yeah. Never been. So I would just go for like the hot chocolate in the films. But then you'd end up becoming, again, like a competitive skier, skier, wouldn't you? You just, because accidentally put on skis. Turns out I'm really good at it. Slaloming. Who's invited to the premiere, Rosie? Who's invited? Who's coming? My family, my best friends, my cats, Taylor Swift, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Tay-Tay, definitely. Tay-Tay. Would, would Tay-Tay provide any of the music? I know earlier on you yes. said that she might. Yeah, she'd, she'd write maybe like the theme song. <gasps> would it be like bad blood bombastic pop era Taylor Swift or would it be the more folksy Taylor Swift in it terms of... Pro- ha- yeah, I mean, probably more towards like the evermore sort of like folklore genre that she's doing right now is really cool. That cardigan vibe. Yes, like putting on a card. Watching this film should be feel like putting on a cardigan and your favourite cardigan. <laughs> what a review. And, and just, just finally, who's not invited to the premiere? Who's not invited and why aren't they invited? All the bad men in this industry, <laughs> which there are many, can are not invited to watch my film. There you go. That's fairly all-encompassing. And um, yeah. and I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's quite a lengthy guest list. List. Yeah, yeah a non-guest yeah. list. Is it improving? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of speaking going on, I think. There's a lot of vocalising of change, which is, is good, but the change needs to be implemented. That's what I find. A lot of, you know, a lot of the bosses are still white, older men. Like, I think we need to shake it up. Um, but you, you know, you just, there's a new wave of filmmakers and people coming forward and through and you just hope that that will make a difference. And yeah, but you just, you have to take it day by day. That's all you really can do in this crazy industry. As a young filmmaker, yeah. um, are you hopeful that you'll help affect change? Oh God, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean... I wanted, that's one of the reasons why Teenage Armageddon came about was because I sort of wanted to make a difference 
to what was teenage girls lives like I wanted to do something for them it's not you can't just be an actor I don't think I think it's quite a vacant way to live your life if you just act if you can do other stuff as well do I mean I think that's probably quite good as a human do you think do you actually that's that's a really interesting point though do you feel like being an actor just an actor is is no longer enough that you have to be a vocal activist in, within your industry, within yeah, industry. I, it does. I think often feel like that, and I often feel actors feel like they can't just be an actor. Isn't like they have to have many different hats for life. Be that writing, directing, making stuff, you know, other jobs like that. That is just the way of the, the world. But I think we put people in the spotlight on such pedestals to be sort of spokespeople for issues. That so that is that's definitely true. Yeah, but I mean, any way that I can help sort of elicit change for younger females is something that I'm incredibly impassioned to do. I guess. So you and others would be an activist. Do you think we'd that's be an, a, we'd be activists? What a great word! Because you're you um, you're an ambassador, aren't you? For is teenage it, mental health charity, yeah, STEM four. Yeah. How's that been over the last eight? You know, over the last eighteen months or more. Well, so usually we go into schools and talk to you know lots of kids, but we can't. So it's been a lot of sort of like zooming and figuring it out that way. But um, teenage mental health has never been worse than it has been right now. Like it's been really affected by the pandemic so it's very needed but the work that STEM4 does is pretty unparalleled and incredible and I've worked with them for about eight years now so I've sort of watched them grow and I love being part of I love being part of that well I mean certainly not you're not just acting are you I mean you're writing and directing and being an activist at the same time I'm gonna coin that now Rosie Day congratulations on Happy Accident starring Greta Gerwig featuring trampolining Sarah Jessica Parker Kristen Wiig Cake, dimly lit cafes, cardigans, Tay Tay, and Tai Tai Burrell. Rosie Day, congratulations on being greenlit. Thank you. I'm sold. I'm going to go make that film now. I'm going to go start writing it.